Well, praise the Lord. If you will, I guess we better we'll stand and just I just want to read one verse of scripture here to, to start us off with. It's Hebrews chapter eleven, verse six. We're gonna have a lot of a lot of passages this morning. A lot of them I'll read and a lot of them over and over that we know, but nevertheless, they never get old. And we need them always. Hebrews 11, 6, the very basic foundation of, of Christianity. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, that is God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Father, we thank you again for this day and for this time together to share your word. It's, it's your word that we live by. Help us to receive it in faith. Help us to grow in faith as we hear your word. We pray in this, this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated there. There's another song that I thought of this morning before I came, and if I could sing, I would sing some of it, but... You wouldn't want to hear it. So, <clears throat> so standing on the promises. We may have sung that here before in the past. I don't know. Yes. Standing on the promises, I cannot fall. Trusting in my Savior is my all in all. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Standing on the promises of God. So for today, I want to title this Fact and feelings. See, we have facts and we have feelings. And as we just read there in Hebrews 11, it is impossible to please God without trusting Him. That's a fact. And then what I have to share today is this basic faith message. The scriptures we'll read today, you're already familiar with. You've heard them through the years. But unless we continually feed on these words and bring to our remembrance what God says over and over and over, the cares of life will choke the facts of our faith. But see, we can often let the cares of life choke the, the facts of what God says, and we allow our feelings to override our faith. That's common for us all. As Christians, you know, we do believe and we must believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. That's the basis of our faith. If we, if we don't believe that, we have nothing to stand on. But it's our instruction manual. It tells us how a person can be saved, how a person can become a Christian. It tells us how to live the Christian life. It's a, it's a life of faith, a life of faith in a God that we cannot see. As 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, says, we walk by faith and not by sight. That is, we live day by day confident that our God is who the Bible says he is and he will do everything that he says he will do. Just as we read there in Hebrews eleven six, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
But we've got to believe that he is. He is alive. He is with us. And he hears our, our prayers and our requests. And God asks us to believe his promises in his word before we ever see them fulfilled. Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And listening, hearing, reading, studying, meditating on the word of God. That's how we increase our faith. That's why it's so necessary to stay grounded in the word of God. You know, I'm, I'm no giant of faith myself. I go through the same things that everybody else in here goes through. We wrestle with the devil. We wrestle with our flesh. We wrestle with our feelings. So God is speaking to me as much as he is to anybody in here this morning. And I, as I prepared this message, I'm constantly reminded of the need for me to remember the promises that God has made in his word. See, our rational minds just want to tend to say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. We say that about a lot of things. People tell us this is going to happen, that's going to happen. We say, I'll believe that when I see it. But we've got to believe God before we see it. We've got to believe his word is a fact that we can base our whole life on. And it will come to pass in his time. We can't tell God what to do. We can't tell him when to do it. But we can believe what he says he will do. And that's the whole basis of the Christian life. And first of all, we need to know that he is reliable and faithful to his word. So we have Numbers twenty three nineteen, which we are all familiar with. God is not a man. That's a good thing. That he should lie, or the son of man, that he needs to repent. Because it's hard to really believe anything anybody says anymore. Unless you know them real well. They're all looking for the, out for themselves, and they're not telling the truth. But God is not a man. He'll lie. Has he said it, he will do it? Has he spoken, will he not make it good? We've got to believe that. It's a fact of God's faithful character. We've got to start right there. We've got to believe that God is faithful. That's his character. That's his love and his faithfulness for us. Look at me in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Some of these verses I will, I will read and some of them I'll just quote and you can look them up when you get home. <clears throat> know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God is faithful. He keeps his covenant. And he expects us there to be faithful to him. But he, he is faithful, it says, to a thousand generations. And we don't know exactly what generation we're in with all that, but we're in there. And we know he's faithful to keep his word to us. 
Then there's another verse in Lamentations. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. I'll find it in a minute myself. My pages are so thin. There we go. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because he, his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. So that's a great passage to remember that God's great faithfulness, his mercy, and he tells us to just quietly wait for him with hope that he will bring to pass what he has said. And so many times in our lives when we struggle with believing because we can't see God, we can't, we can't see what he's doing, and we let our feelings, again, defeat our faith. So we have to go back to the word and reaffirm his promises to our hearts and minds again and again and again. In other words, when all else fails, Read the instructions. You know, we, 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 we struggle. We, I try to put something together, and I've got a bunch of bolts and screws left over because I didn't read the instructions. So we go back and start over, and it all comes out right. So we, we've got to constantly go back to what God says and base our faith on Him, Him and the facts of His Word and not how we feel about anything. So, and that's what we're in pursuit of this morning is an unwavering faith in our God. So we're emotional creatures and we often allow our circumstances to affect our faith. This is a book of faith. This is a book of faith and we have to continually meditate on the promises that he gives to us. So today I'm, I'm wanna, I want to feed you a meal to increase your faith and, and reaffirm your faith. See, when we go through troubles and trials and, and there's a promise that we don't have to believe for, it just happens. God has said we will have troubles and trials in this life. But when we're going through these things, and they linger longer than we think they should. It's easy to get depressed. It's easy to get frustrated. And to begin to feel like God doesn't love you. And I've heard people testify to that in this, in this building before. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel like God doesn't love me anymore because of the rough things that's happened. Well, what does God say in his book? What does he say? 
The most familiar passage we all know is John 3.16. For God so loved the world, not the, the created world, but the people in it that he created, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love of God. Then in 1 John 4.10, herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to die for our sins. Romans 8.35 Who can separate us from the love of God? Just look, look at that one just for a moment. Just... Just see how comprehensive his love is, what, how, what all it covers in our lives. <clears throat> Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And none of these things can separate us from his love. See, we can withdraw from him, but he never withdraws from us. He's always there. And when we feel... Like we can't find God. You know, you've ever been in a situation where you ask, God, where are you? I need you. I need your answer. I need some answers. I'm struggling. What does the book say? He tells us put our faith in the facts and not our feelings. Matthew 28, 20. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hebrews 8, 13, look at that one. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. the right one yes let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things that you have for he has said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me These are promises. These are facts that we can base our life on. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is near whether we feel him or not. God is always everywhere at all times. And he's not far out of our reach. Even when we sin, all we need to do is come repentant before him and he's right there to forgive us and take us back into his presence. See, our emotions are up and our emotions are down, but God is never changing. 
He is always there and he is always faithful. In fact, if you're a Christian, Christ is in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. How near is that? And on top of that, he is here this morning with us. You know, you and I may or may not feel his presence. We may not feel like God is here this morning. But again, what does he say in his book? Matthew 18, 20, he says, Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. So Jesus is right here in this room this morning. You know, he might be sitting right beside you. That could be kind of scary. But it should be a comforting fact. A comforting fact. It don't matter how we feel, no matter how we came in here, what's going on in our life at home, what's going on on the job, what's, what's coming next, what's happening. God is with us. He is here. He is he's present. And here's something else. He has something to say this morning to each one of us. He's not here to listen to me. He's here to speak to us, to us all. And he has something to say about each one of us in our personal situation, what we need to hear, what we need to know from God. If we just listen for his voice, he'll speak to our heart this morning and confirm his word, encourage us, and strengthen us to go on and hold on. And you know, we, we may be going through a physical trial we're not promised that we won't. We may, we, and we may have prayed about it and prayed faithfully, but we don't feel like we're healed yet. Again, what does God say in his book? In the Old Testament, Exodus fifteen twenty six, he said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's a fact. Exodus twenty three twenty five. he says, I will take sickness out of the midst of thee. That's a fact. Psalm 103, he forgives all thine iniquities and he heals all thy diseases. That doesn't leave anything out. Yeah. That takes care of our sin problem. That takes care of our physical problem. If we can trust him. Isaiah 53, 5, part of the message on the wall. With Jesus' stripes, we are healed. If Jesus said it, it's true. Mark 11, 24, 23. Just look at that one because it's so familiar. And we start with verse 22. Mark eleven twenty two. <clears throat> Jesus had just cursed the fig tree. Well, let's start with verse twenty one. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answered and said, Have faith in God. 
Have faith in God. That's what he's saying to us this morning. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, we're probably not going to cast any mountains into the sea because that might disrupt the whole universe. <laughs> but the mountains in our life are the things that we're going to deal with. We have mountains that, that we can't climb. We have problems that we can't solve. But God says if we'll cast our faith in Him, He will deal with it. He'll take care of it. And of course, the famous verse 24, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you have it. You know, we heard that message over and over and over through all the years, but it seems like sometimes it, we, it, we lose it if we don't really hold on to it. Believe you receive when you pray. It's mine. I've just got to wait for it. And God is faithful, and He will do it. And we order things online. We say, I've got it. Yeah. The Postal Service is not doing too good a job, but I'm, I've got it. And it's going to come. See, we have, that, we have that kind of faith in the postal system. Surely we can have that kind of faith in our God to believe that we receive when, it, when we pray and then just wait for God to fulfill it. Receive as being done and it will come to pass. That's a fact of God's word. And again, 1 John 5, 14, 15, you're familiar with that. This is the confidence, not feeling. This is the confidence that we have in God that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. And we know he hears everything. We even know what we're thinking. But this means he hears us with intent to fulfill his will. We're praying according to his will. He's going, he hears that. He says, yes. The promises are yes and amen. He says, I will do it. And we, we can know that we will receive what we've asked for. That's a fact. And you know, Jesus healed thousands of people while he was here on the earth. And he only did the Father's will. He came to show us what the Father is like. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So it is God's will to heal us. And we've got to believe that and hold fast to it. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. That's our part. We can do that. As born again Christians, we can do that. And he says, abide in me, my words abide in you. You can ask what you will and it will be done. Again, these are facts. Either we, either we believe this or we don't believe the Bible at all. I mean, if part of it's true, it's got to all be true. 
If we believe he, he died for our sins, we've got to believe he died for our healing. We've got to believe he died for everything we need if we can just trust him with it. And John 14, look at this, this one. A lot of people have a problem with this, this passage. But it's pretty easy to explain. John 14, verses 12 through 16. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. What a promise. What a promise. And how much is covered in that promise. So a lot of people have a lot of problem with the greater works. But it's not that difficult at all. Although the Holy Spirit come and anoint us and direct us to operate in the gifts of the Spirit and do the works and the miracles that Jesus did, we know that we couldn't possibly do anything greater than what Jesus did. Jesus did everything. He did more than what's possible. He did the impossible, even the raising of the dead. And we know that any great miracle or healing that is done through us is actually Jesus using us as a vessel or a hose to minister his healing power and great. We, we, we won't be doing it, but he, he can do it through us. And he wants to do that. Just like Peter told the people at the temple, when, you know, when he prayed for the crippled man, he had the anointing, and the crippled man rose up and, and walked, and the people were starting to praise Paul. He said, no, I mean, Peter, it's not me. It's Jesus. Jesus working through me. It's in the name and the power of Jesus. So that's how God will do these things. He'll continue to do this work through us. But it'll, it'll not be us, but it'll be Jesus working through us. And for us, the greater works, it means that Jesus as one man, one person, limited in physical body, could only go travel so far and reach so many people. But the 12 apostles could scatter throughout the earth along with now that there are so many Christians in the world. We, as we're supposed to be doing, can minister these works and these things to a greater number of people. That'll be a greater work in its, in its capacity, but not in its power but the power is all in Jesus. And he, but he wants to work through us and he can anoint us and work through us and do his mighty works. And we need to meditate on his promise and let it rise in our hearts that we're supposed to be doing these things. 
this is supposed to still happen. These things are are not passed away. And often we, like Peter, though, we, you know, when, again, when he walked on the water, he didn't last long. He got his eyes off of Jesus. He got feelings and emotions involved, and he sank. So we start out saying, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to trust God, and we focus our senses on our circumstances and our feelings, and they override our faith. They override the promise with our, our feelings and our emotions. And faith withers, faith withdraws because we don't keep our eyes on Jesus. And the words of Jesus, the words of God the Father, can they be anything but true? Can they be anything but true? No. Only believe God, only believe. You know, we have a lot to lose by not truly believing God. And we have everything to gain by trusting Him. So we've got to read God's book not only as a record of historical facts, but, but as a living word, God speaking to us as though He were present here and, and you were standing and talking to Him. Take, take what He says as a very personal message as we read his word, you know, you can read it and, and say, well, that, that, that's great. That really was nice that it happened. But it doesn't do you any good. You've got to take it and say, if God says, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. This, this is a, a alive as it was in the day he said it. And he still stands behind his word. He also says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He wants us to do that too, to be faithful as we require him to be faithful. We must be faithful to him in order to receive his promises. And though we walk by faith, we really, really need to see the undeniable manifestation of the things we're asking God to do for us and us. We need, we need that so badly to encourage our faith. See, Jesus, the worst that Jesus did, he did these instant healings and people could see it. I know this is God because I see what he did. And though we walk by faith, that doesn't mean that we just keep on walking by faith all of our life and nothing ever happens. No, we've got, to, we've got to believe to the point that we see God manifest the things that we're believing Him for. Because He will. So let's not tell God how we feel. He already knows that. Let's tell Him that we believe His Word. And we're going to hold on to it. We're going to trust Him to the very end. And you know, fear. Fear comes along. It, it, it encounters every one of us to a degree. Things happen, fear arises. But what does God say in his book? He says in 2 Corinthians 1, 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. And you know, he gives us so many scriptures 
to confirm that he is with us, that there's no reason for us to be afraid, that he watches over us, he goes with us. Like the 23rd Psalm, we all know that. Most of us can quote it. But what about, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. See, the shepherd has, has two, two instruments. He, he has a rod and a, and a staff. The rod is to knock the animals away that are attacking the sheep. The staff has got this little crook in the top of it, and he sees this sheep about to get in trouble. He hooks that little sheep, drags him right back. We've got to believe God is like that. He, he's, he's knocking the enemy away from us as we trust him. And when we get a little bit sideways, he puts that little hook on us and says, come on back over here. Come on back. And he brings us back. He's a gentle shepherd. He's not going to pound on us with a hammer. He's going to, he's going to talk to us and encourage us and say, you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me. In Psalm 91, it's just, it's just full of encouraging things to trust God for. Just turn to Psalm 91. My Bible is so used to turning there that it, it, most of the time it falls open on Psalm 91. It's been, it's been conformed to that spot. This, this takes verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Does that sound applicable to today? What does it say? Don't fear the pestilence. Aren't we dealing with the pestilence right now? This, this virus that's going around? Pestilence is, is, is a word that involves something detestable. And it involves, a, in a dictionary it says it involves like the pandemic. So we're, we're dealing with this. This is a promise right here that we can trust God through all this. And his word is faithful. The only thing we're to fear is the Lord himself. And we do that in a, not in a fearful drawing, shrinking away, but in a spirit of respect and reverence, knowing that God is the great judge of all. And we are to serve him in sincerity and truth and trust him. And the fear of God is a motivation for our obedience. Because we know that the, those who don't trust God, we know where they're going. And it's important to us to trust God and be faithful to him. And show our God our faithfulness as he is faithful to us. And as David said in Psalm 56, what time I am afraid, I will trust in God. 
Fear's going to come. It just pops up all of a sudden when things happen. But we can take a deep breath and quote one of God's promises and stand on it and claim it. You remember that? Remember how we were taught? Claim a promise. Claim a promise. Stand on that promise. We've kind of gotten away from that. But it's still true that you find a promise that applies to your situation. And when, it, when fear comes, you quote that word back to God because he's faithful to his word. And he will always be faithful to his word. You know, sometimes I read in, in devotional books. We have a lot of devotional books we read. I have a, several commentaries I read. And there is so much said about accepting our trials as being of God and that we're to learn and endure, learn to endurance and learn patience through these trials. And they show us things about our life that we need to change. This is all true. The trials do that. But in these books I read, there is so much stress on the point that you've got to endure, you've got to endure, you've got to endure. It robs us of our faith to believe that God will deliver us. See, I, I can, what I read through the, from between the lines is they don't believe God. They don't believe in divine healing. They believe you've got to just endure everything that comes your way. Well, we want to endure. We want to hold on to God at the same time. But these are faith robbers. These are faith robbers. See, you just endure and that's all you can do. No. God's word is true or it's not true. And we believe it's true. And did you ever read in anywhere in, in the New Testament where Jesus said to those people that came to him and says, I need, I need to see you. He said, well, you've got to keep on staying blind because you need to learn something. Did he ever say that to anybody? No, he said, only believe. Only believe. And everybody that came to him got what they asked for. One man had to go down and wash the mud out of his eyes where God spit and put mud on his eyes. But it wasn't very long that he came back seeing. Right. And that was just a test of his faith to be sure that he believed what God was showing him and what God was saying to him. But we, we've got to believe that these words in his book are facts. And we get our feelings out of the way, lay our feelings aside, and trust God and His Word. For we know He is faithful. He cannot fail. The faith message is still true. It always will be. And one day we'll be so grateful that we trusted Him. Yes. And when we stand before Him and in His presence. And Lord, we thank You so much for Your faithfulness. We thank You so much for Your Word. Because this is the only book we can read and know that everything in it is true. Everything else is it, filled with the ideas of man and the failures of man. So, Father, we thank you 
once again for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word that you gave us that we can hold on to that never changes. It's as true today as it was the day you you spoke it to you, to those who wrote it down and you guided them in what they said. Let us hold fast to your word, Lord. Let us continue to meditate on it. Convince our heart and our mind. Help us, Lord, to believe you and be faithful to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.